Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. You're with Lembit Opic on today's news talk radio, TNT. Welcome. Good morning, planet Earth. Lembit Opic here again for hours of news and comment on the subjects making the headlines all around the world. And boy, it's been a busy week and will be an even busier one in British politics. It's not all we talk about, but there's a lot going on and a lot going wrong in British politics at the moment. I'll do my best to give you a summary of the facts and also my opinions about all of that. We're also going to focus on the Conference of Reform UK. That is a party which is becoming a thorn in the side of the old legacy parties because they're scoring double figures percentages. That may not sound like very much, but it's very good for a party which is still in its uh, childhood. Uh, why is that happening? We'll find out. We'll talk to people from the Reform Party. And what are the implications for British politics too? All of that in the next couple of hours with me, Lambertopic. As always, I invite you to be involved in the chat. I was very honoured to meet some of our regular contributors. More of that a little bit later on uh, when we were doing our live outside broadcast um, in regard to Julian Assange in central London. Uh, so good to see you, Holly. Really enjoyed that. And just a bloke who asks questions. Wonderful to put faces to names, to know that you're not computer generated. You're real people out there listening to humble Lembertopic on the great Lembertopic show. If that's not too much of a contradiction, do please keep your calls and comments coming, especially Holly and just a bloke. You've really earned it this time. I wish I'd bought you a cup of coffee. I didn't do. I still owe you that. Uh, thank you very much indeed also for celebrating the work that we were doing in highlighting the Julian Assange case. And it's that I want to briefly mention now. I want to talk about the Iraq war in the second hour. But uh, let me tell you what we've been up to here. Uh, the Today's News Talk team uh, camped ourselves uh, on a rainy and cold day, uh, in two days, in fact, in central London, outside the Royal Courts of Justice during the week. I was there too, uh, working with uh, the main man, Mike Ryan, flew all the way from Australia to work with us on this important matter. Why did we do it? Because the mainstream media, MSM for short, don't really want to cover the Assange case. It seems to many of us that they're in collusion with the state to give the impression that Julian Assange is the worst criminal in recent political history and therefore should be in a high security prison called Belmarsh, where he's lived for half a decade and potentially should be deported, extradited is the technical phrase, in order to do the the challenge, I suppose, is the best word uh, to not put too fine a point on it, uh, of uh, defending himself against some heinous crimes of espionage he's been accused of by the United States. Well, what's all this about? Having spoken to many, many people at the demonstration outside, some of whom were actually campaigning about other things, and I don't particularly agree with them, such as Extinction Rebellion, who are deluding themselves into thinking there's a climate crisis. Nevertheless, most of the people there were there for the right reasons. They understand that Julian Assange's trial isn't really a trial of the man himself, it's a trial of an entire way of life, that way of life is centered on free speech and freedom of expression, uh, things which the West has actually gone to war to defend. Now, that may sound like a dramatic uh, change in tone, but actually Julian Assange's crime, such as it is, 
was to publish information which was handed to him, which was acquired by other people, and which he believed to be in the public interest. Thanks to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, as his organization was called, we learned that the Americans were spying on their allies, such as Germany. Now, that doesn't sound too good when you learn about that. But there we have it. Uh, we also discovered a number of other things. I myself uh, appeared in WikiLeaks as um, uh, there was a comment which I made in regard to the former leader of my party, the Liberal Democrats, uh, saying that he was very thin-skinned. He then proved it <laughs> by being very thin-skinned. I wasn't embarrassed about the WikiLeaks at all uh, because I'd said it and I didn't feel compromised by other people finding out what I'd said. In some ways, I was pleased that my my warnings about Nick Clegg, who I feared would wreck my political party, would be heeded by a wider audience. Sadly, they weren't heeded and he did wreck the party, but that's a story for another occasion. What does matter is uh, people like myself were accurately reported in terms of what we'd said by WikiLeaks. There was no question of me being upset by what had been said, but the state was upset. And as such, Julian Assange is really being tried for the crime of free speech. He found information which seemed rather compromising uh, to uh, the... Uh, well, the, the, the fundamental uh, aspect of what we do here on uh, today's News Talk TNT, and that's try to share with you our facts as we see them, our opinions as we feel them, and let you do the rest. In a sense, that's what WikiLeaks does too. Maybe you want, maybe we want to think about it like this. If Junus Assange gets uh, uh, extradited, then we might as well all go, uh, because what we're doing here is calling out the uncomfortable truth as well, lighting the fuse for free speech, as we say. Now, the question is, when will this uh, come to a conclusion at the Royal Courts of Justice? The trial has uh, completed its time, as far as I know, in terms of the, uh, uh, well, how should I call it, the, the in-court phase. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm sorry if I offend you with my poor... Uh, grammar when it comes to uh, how court proceedings go on. But now we may have to wait even till November for the decision. Why November? Because this could be politically motivated. It could go all the way through to the presidential election. Perhaps it's easier for Donald Trump and for Joe Biden, who I expect will be the two candidates, not to have to tackle this thorny issue before then, because who knows what else Julian Assange will be able to say to embarrass the Americans. Uh, on the other hand, it could be quite soon, as soon as March. So we don't really know how much longer uh, he will be in the dock uh, and living in Belmarsh, uh, where he's been uh, well detained one way or another for many, many years. Before that, he was in the Ecuadorian embassy, once again, a form of incarceration, which means that he's spent an appreciable portion of his life uh, essentially behind bars or in a restricted environment. My advice is this, uh, that we keep going with the uh, efforts we make to provide you with the information that you need. And from then, we allow the fuse of free speech to light new fires all around the world. Julian Assange, in my view, is something of a hero because he has sacrificed his liberty in order to give you information about those people that we employ on taxpayers' money to serve us in our name. Never forget that the people who are really on trial here are not Julian Assange, but actually people such as the state and those people who uh, are involved in the judiciary 
and those people from America who may be putting pressure through the special relationship uh, on us uh, as a country in the United Kingdom to go along with the kind of changes, the kind of, uh, well, how shall I put it, uh, dissent, which we perhaps observe particularly here at uh, uh, the uh, the, the the halls of uh, TNT uh, as we try to bring you uh, more more freedom and more truth than other stations. I, for one, will be very interested in seeing what the outcome of this trial is. I don't know that the demonstrations we observed will make much difference, but I do know for sure that this is a demonstration of whether we're, all of our preaching to other countries about things like free speech and about liberty and about the right to cause offence, the right to call out politicians, whether all of that is window dressing or whether it's sincere. One of the most important things we've learned is that states, and I learned as a politician, is that uh, it's easy for a state to defend itself and defend itself it will if it is feeling the threat of losing electoral power or sometimes losing face. Those are the stakes in the Julian Assange trial. I, for one, am proud to work for a station which, unlike much of the blancmange media that turned up, implying that Julian Assange is some kind of enemy of the state, unlike them, I was there with TNT, making clear that we think he has got a case to answer, but the case to answer is why he is being tried by a state which is very determined to shut him down. One last warning. There are those who think that if Julian Assange goes to America, he could face more than just imprisonment. There are worries for his welfare, his safety. And I think those must be taken very seriously because we know that Mike Pompeo, who is a very senior politician, who's had a very high level career in the United States, even talked of disposing of Julian Assange. And a point made by Alan Cook, who was one of our contributors live from the Royal Courts of Justice, he's a Reform UK activist, is this. He has suggested that this isn't about freedom of speech. It's not about punishing Julian Assange. It's about possession. I hadn't heard anyone make that point before, but of course it's true. If they're really that determined to try him, why don't they try him by Zoom, by internet, by online trial? Why do they physically need him in the United States? That is a poignant question and i hope that we may be able to get alan cook to expand on that he only had a short time when we were down at the royal court so it's a very busy uh, period for us but it does really highlight put into sharp contrast what could be the most ominous thing of all they physically want him in the united states because they can physically control him better than in any other way. I wonder what you think about this. Uh, do go to our TNT site. You're most welcome to join the debate. You might disagree. Maybe you think I'm being uh, histrionic. Perhaps you feel that it really isn't quite as bad as I've made out. I'll look at your calls and comments in just a minute. A lot of things coming in here. Uh, and more than anything, I welcome your opinions and whether I am taking this too far. And I can see some very interesting comments, which I will read to you in just a minute. But more than anything, I see a Western society in threat of undermining itself. That's what I learned this week. And had it not been for TNT, I wouldn't have the opportunity to learn it. Uh, but working with a great team there, and it really is a great team, I am delighted to say that we've got this far. Uh, keep your calls and comments coming. Uh, and I'm hoping that we're going to get Alan Cook on as well. All of that on the Lembitopic show right here 
on the home of free speech, TNT. TNT's David Curtin. The noise about this is not out of any genuine concern for Navalny himself or his family, but this has been weaponized in order to bash Putin. And it seems that the media, the mainstream media, and the politicians in the West, the powers that be, have got what I would call Putin derangement syndrome, which follows on after Brexit derangement syndrome and Trump derangement syndrome. Something is happening in the world that they don't like, they can't control, they've lost control of the narrative, they've lost control of what they want to happen. And what they want to do by this, by bashing Putin in the mainstream media, is to prolong this terrible war in Ukraine. David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Listen, Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Breaking news. We have the very person I was hoping we would get from the Reform UK conference. It's going to be Alan Cook in just a minute. Before I go to him, though, a uh, couple of comments here. I've, you, you are so busy today, folks. Let me just look down and read some of them. Uh, lots of Boridars, which is Welsh for good morning. Uh, Boridar Malibites. Uh, and a uh, lot of chat, actually, about... Uh, about chatting. So do have a look at the TNT radio.live chat. Uh, lots of information there. Truth be told, we are all only here for the banter, suggests Mally Bites. I don't believe that for a minute. I think there's much more than that to our content, but I'll take the banter. It's a kind of uh, compliment. We've got just a bloke who asks questions. Not late, hidden. I'm on time, not a fan of the fake natural nurse. Mm, okay, good point. That's a whole different debate, which we're not going to. Uh, Mali Bites, uh, uh, says Dahl Embert, straight at me. Okay, I could speak Welsh at one point. Uh, just a couple more now. Uh, one from just a bloke. The pleasure was all mine, Lembert. He says, yes, we did meet. Sorry I didn't get you on at the time. If you want to phone in, we'll definitely get you on today. I'd love to get your recollections of what you saw at the demonstrations. Uh, I haven't seen Holly yet. Uh, she was at the demo. Uh, maybe she will be there as well. Just one more now, and then we'll go to Alan. Hidden uh, Hidden Truth uh, says, truth be told, friend as a fella says, on here, if you could do better, then Kate, please roll up and let's have it. Debate is what's needed. If Kate's fake, please provide something, as we must know this. Well, this is what we do here. We allow ourselves to express opinions. We highlight them as opinions. We do our best to back our opinions up in facts, and the rest is up to you. You can call. You'll find the phone numbers wherever you are in the world to call into the show. But without further ado, there's so much more going on in the chat. You are so lively today. So many people there. And I'll try and read some of those a little bit later on. 
especially if you've got questions for my next guest. I am delighted to announce that the man who I mentioned with a new perspective and what's going on about Julian Assange joins us now. It's Alan Cook, who came down to our live broadcast at the Royal Courts of Justice during the week. And he is now at the Reform UK conference in the north of England. North of England. Look how excited I am now uh, in Doncaster. Alan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Good morning, Lembit. I'm absolutely very well indeed. Thank you for asking. And yes, I'm actually out on the, the race course at the moment. So uh, no horses here, but it is our spring rally. So we've got uh, roughly just over 1,200 people uh, massing in the hall. So I'm outside so I can talk to you quietly. So I do need to apologise if you hear anything over the tannoy over the next minute or so, because there has been a few announcements. Yeah, but we're, we're getting a slight. Yeah. I wish I was there. In fact, I did try to make an effort to broadcast from there, but boy, we've been so stretched uh, broadcasting from the Royal Courts of Justice that uh, I've come to the comfort and safety of my own studio. But uh, uh, my thoughts are with you at this rather inspiring time. Let's start uh, I, by, uh, before we talk about Julian Assange, let's talk about your involvement with Reform UK. Uh, tell the viewers uh, what you do for them. Well, I am the uh, PBC, so that's the potential parliamentary candidate for Bromley and Biggin Hill, which is in south-east London. It's about uh, 11 miles south from uh, Hyde Park, uh, the centre point of London. And uh, also, I'm on the London Assembly, so the uh, Greater London Authority is uh, basically everything inside pretty much the M25, which is a big orbital, 119-mile-long orbital around the outside of London. And inside that... You have 75 parliamentary constituencies, so 75 MPs basically looking after London. And uh, for the London Assembly, they group the boroughs together, so they have 14 what they refer to as super constituencies. So I'm standing in one of those 14 super constituencies, and it's the boroughs of Bexley and Bromley. And people would be voting uh, for their super constituency person. It, on the 2nd of May this year. So it's coming up actually reasonably soon. That's a lot going on there, Alan. And uh, you remind me perhaps slightly nostalgically of my days as a candidate. Nostalgically, because much of much of it is to dislike. <laughs> I think being I a candidate is horrendously grueling. I don't believe you, Lembit, because, you know, great fun uh, going door to door, talking to people, uh, the leafleting is a little bit tiresome, but damn, does it keep you fit? Uh, you know, if you're, if you're doing a few hours of uh, leafleting every single day, it really gets your steps up. And uh, after a few weeks of that, you notice it. And then after a few months, bloody hell, you notice it. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't really say that. But uh, I don't think it's <laughs> You really. got away with it. <laughs> Um, I actually first stood in an election uh, in uh, 1980 uh, in a school debating society election. And that was 30, no, hang on, 1980, 44 years ago, 44 years ago. I have to tell you, Goodness, the pleasure fades. The, the pleasure fades over time. Uh, I do find myself slowly being dragged into politics just because I think Britain's in such a parlous state. One of the reasons I want to talk to you about Reform well, UK is because you do set yourselves up as potentially the saviours of this country. Uh, but uh, more power to your elbow. Uh, I, I prefer interviewing politicians rather than being I one did. myself. But um, go on. Well, I did put a little uh, image out on social media and uh, it was just a pair of 
American Deep South swinging uh, doors to a saloon. And I just put the, the Reform UK logo on either side of the door. So I do see us <laughs> as the last chart saloon for the country, to be honest. And, you know, that got so many likes because there was no wording. They didn't need any words. You know, just one image and you knew what was, it, you know, what he was putting across. And, uh, you know, our sole purpose really is to give the electorate uh, another option. And, uh, and we, we upset the, the sort of establishment a little bit because we, we're not stuck on an ideology from a certain part of the political spectrum. You know, all of I want to talk about that. In just, I want to get into sense. that. I want to get oh, into that in just a minute, Alan. Hold that thought because that's really where I want to get into. No, no, that's okay. You're welcome. You're, you're perfectly entitled to do it. I mean, I wouldn't be having you on the show uh, from uh, your own conference if you weren't expected to talk about your party and also talk about uh, some rather interesting developments in Rochdale. There's a by-election there. Hold that thought. We'll come back to you in just a I couple of minutes there. That is great. Well, I want you to talk about Simon. I actually spoke to him myself yesterday. So hold that thought. We're going to come back to Alan in just a minute. Before that, I just want to squeeze Siv in because it's getting late where he is. Uh, we'll come back to Alan in just a minute. Siv, how are you doing? Not bad. Well, yes, it is getting a bit late here. It's about time for a hot cup of cocoa. I think it's that sort of hour. I don't believe you. I don't believe you drink that much cocoa. No one drinks that much cocoa. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure a little snifter would do you does less harm than all that, that, all that sugar. Does anybody still do? Does anybody still do that anymore? I wonder. What? <laughs> drink cups of cocoa during winter time. Does anyone well, still do that anymore? Is that is that kind of is that kind of 1970s? I don't know. I I, uh, I don't know whether I'll that tell happens. you. Uh, I'll tell you, I actually drink something called Gimber, G-I-M-B-E-R. Um, oh. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm not teetotal, but I, I've gone off it a little bit, to be honest with you, alcohol. And um, I'm looking for alternatives. And this thing, Gimber, it's got it's yes. very strong ginger thing. You, you put it into water and it's got a real kick and it probably is really healthy for you. I recommend it to anyone. Maybe I can get oh, a, an advertising deal with Gimber. I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts and questions, um, and as Go you've ahead. got the man from Reform UK on there, and I, I hope to hear a bit more of that, I'd like to know a couple of things. First of all, what do you guys make of the absolute shambles, the absolute ridiculousness that happened this week in, in the Parliament? I can't believe that it descended into that much chaos. I, I can't get over how mad that was. And secondly, can small parties like Reform UK get enough votes to be a bit of a headache for whoever the government is, and it's assumed, by if you go by the polls, that it will be Labour, can they get enough votes to actually hurt them and ask questions and block legislation and that kind of stuff? Let, let me answer the first one on behalf of Parliament, having been a serving member of Parliament for 13 years, and then we'll see what Alan has to say about the second, because uh, he's a well-placed person to comment about small parties uh, on the first one it'll take me just a couple of minutes to explain this Siv, but bear with me because i think it's a really good question for those who don't um, avidly follow british parliament there was a bit of a meltdown during the week when the speaker of the house who's meant to be completely impartial meant to show no fear or favor towards any political party looked like he'd broken the rules it looked like he'd shown favour to his own party, the Labour Party, of which he's been a member and was a serving MP for many years, by pushing out 
another party on a day when that other party was meant to be in charge of proceedings. Uh, it was just more or less like saying to, it was the Scottish National Party, I know it's your day, but too bad, I'm going to give your day to my old party. And that caused outrage. Uh, the Labour Party tried to defend it in a rear guard action, uh, while the Conservatives, who are in government in the UK at the moment, and the Scottish National Party pretty much walked out. And then Keir Starmer, and I'm no great fan of his, made it worse by saying, yes, I did go and see uh, the Speaker before he made that decision. Mm. He said, but I didn't threaten him. So if he went in there, he was influencing proceedings. And as far as I can well, see, I mean, it's an open and shut case there, of a mistake. If you're going cool. in there to talk to the Speaker and you're going in there to... I mean, what are you really going in there for? Are you going in there to, say, um, make an inquiry... Or are you going in there to influence the speaker? I think that's a big question. Well, he was, but we know he was going in there to influence the speaker because he said he was going in there to influence the speaker. And this is the problem. The speaker was influenced. Yeah. And that's the horrendous right. thing. So, so what I think we saw was a prima facie example of a speaker who forgot he was meant to be independent. Now, how serious is it? To be honest with you, I don't think it's quite as serious as his opponents have made out. Uh, I think that the speaker made a mistake. He admitted it. He was obviously very defensive about it. Uh, but of course, you'd expect the uh, the Conservatives and the SNP to make hay. And over 60 well, members of Parliament would. have signed they a no motion of no confidence. Yeah. But I think I'm the real villain the of the piece... Of of I'm coming from the point of view of Mr. and Mrs. Average Public, who's watching all of this, and they're thinking to themselves, so where are my issues? Where are my kitchen table issues in all of this? I mean, here I am, whoever it might be, here I am trying to do my best in, a, in you know, an environment that's not economically great at the moment. And, you know, here you guys are just sort of having in the beltway, that's the old expression, yeah. discussions that really don't matter much to me and you're not really thinking of me. So, you know, why should yeah. we trust or why should we have any kind of... Uh, uh, you know, why should we uh, you know, trust? I don't. I don't think trust is the right word, but I'll use it anyway. You guys to look after our interests because we don't think you are at the moment. Yeah, it's a matter of respect. I think. Why should we respect you if you just make a pig's ear of your own proceedings? As I say, I know Lindsay Hoyle quite well. He admits he made a mistake. He did make a mistake, and it's a bad one. Whether it's a sackable offence, mm, not so sure. But I think the real villain of the piece is Keir Starmer who actually saw fit to go to see the Speaker to try to influence the debate on an opposition day. I think that's the crime there. Siv, uh, thanks very much for that. I'm going to now bring uh, Alan Cook back to answer the second part of your question. Alan Cook is joining us from the Reform UK uh, conference, where we understand over 1,200 people are attending in the north of England. Alan, uh, the question that Siv is asking is this. Uh, can small parties influence British politics? What prospect do they have of winning seats or determining the outcome of a general election? And we all know there will be a general election towards the end of this year. Well, what would be your response to that? There are two questions in one there. Uh, influence is, is one side and seats is another side. You know, we prove we have a proved record with uh, Brexit uh, that we can influence. Uh, all the way through that, we held the, the Tories' feet to the fire. And uh, we pressured them all the way up until, you know, basically until we stood down a, a lot of our candidates. So that the threat of Corbyn was no longer there. And the, and the 
Tories got an 80-seat majority. So without us, that would never have happened. But then they betrayed, uh, basically, the trust we, we gave them. And so that's why now our leader, Richard Tyson, saying that there'll not be any more deals. You know, we've been burnt once, and uh, we're not going to get burnt again. And, uh, you're, you know, so he just said, you know, the, the, the key word in all of this, which is trust. And uh, at the moment, there's no trust in Parliament. So when you've got the core, you know, the Speaker making a, a mistake like that, and, you know, potentially under the influence of the leader, you know, it, it just does make a, a mockery of the whole setup. And uh, I do feel sorry for Hoyle, because he, he's been... You know, today, uh, he's got an exemplary record and he's done everything by the book and he's a good speaker. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think the guy should go, but uh, we, you know, th that should be the, the last uh, mistake of any the speaker or the deputy speakers. We, we, you know, they have got to be the, the core of parliament and you know, trust everything stops to them. And yeah, the, yes, said, uh, quite rightly, uh, the problem is with Starmer on, on this one. And he, he said quite yeah, a number of times now he didn't bully the speaker. However, what he didn't say is that he didn't press him or push him or coerce him. You know, uh, I think uh, what we need to do is ask the question, different questions of Starmer to actually work out exactly what he did do. Yes, uh, I'm aligned. This is my opinion here. I'm aligned with you. Lindsay Hoyle, this is what I guess happened. It's my opinion. Lindsay Hoyle got a visit from the leader of his party, the Sir Keir Starmer, who no doubt has some psychological influence on Hoyle, uh, whether he's a speaker or not. That's the psychological hierarchy of how politics works. And I think Hoyle was probably persuaded by whatever Starmer said, made a terrible mistake by essentially stealing the Scottish National Party's opposition day and putting in something from his own party. The optics of that was terrible. And now we've seen roughly 10% of Parliament saying that they have no confidence in him. He'll not get that confidence back. So he's wounded, but I don't think he'll necessarily lose his seat, lose his position as a speaker. But just before we go further from this, uh, because I really want to focus on the small party question that Siv asked, what do you make uh, of the damage that this has done to parliament's reputation or do you think most people don't care i think uh, a lot of people have given up you know there's so many people who are you know i've been doing a lot of door-to-door -door, uh, canvassing in, in wellingborough for uh, ben habib we just had a by-election there and obviously we've got the next one coming up in rochdale i've just uh, spoken to uh, simon danchuk who's just arrived here and uh, they you know it, it's a week in politics is a long time, but at the moment, uh, a couple of hours is a long time. Things are moving at such a pace. There's something Ben said for the, the Wellingborough by-election is that the, the, the political sands are shifting so quickly that uh, all the polls which are pushing out the predictions are actually so far behind. They just can't keep up with uh, the way uh, you know, people uh, see politics and things are changing. Uh, and certainly with you know, this high level, I think you know, this is what's just happened with Hoyle is less of an issue for the SNP and, and more that the fact that uh, potentially a hundred Labour MPs didn't walk out on the party. Uh, you know, he averted mm. uh, a huge damage to the party and, you know, people will see that as a trust issue. You know, the, the whole thing has been manipulated to, uh, to save face for the, the Labour party. 
and we were just getting trust issues. You know, we're being lied to by the government uh, on a regular basis, and I'm quite happy to say that. Uh, it shouldn't be. I apologise for the tannoy, if you can hear that. That's all right. It gives gives us a sense of immediacy and, and excitement yeah. and that there's a real conference going on. Don't worry about that. We can hear you probably more clearly than you can hear yourself when the tannoy is going on. Um, just in terms of the situation with um, the... So we have, I'll, I'll leave that uh, that for now. We're going to see if we can get uh, a political commentator to give us more on, on the lowdown on that and also uh, an external perspective on what's happening in the run-up to the, the by-election. But in terms of the smaller party point, and Siv really did ask an interesting question, how is the dynamic playing out in terms of Reform UK's influence? I noticed that in the two by-elections that took place, the uh, Reform UK party got... Um, double figures, uh, causing the traditional third-placed party, Lib Dems, to languish with a lost deposit, with less than 5% in both cases. That vote, I suspect, Alan, is coming primarily from the Conservatives. And therefore, if you're taking votes from the Conservatives, it'll it'll deepen their crisis at the next election. But what is your analysis yeah. on this? Well, you know, Labour aren't winning votes. What they're doing is just keeping their voters actually coming out and voting for them, whereas the uh, the Tories tend to uh, protest not by voting for someone else, but actually by staying at home. So, you know, we have a, a good natural base of supporters. And uh, so with Ben Habib's 13 percent, I think that's, you know, basically uh, a standard uh, voter base. And, and our biggest problem is uh, recognition, because we are a new party. And if you look at uh, the direction we're going in, you know, uh, early on last year, we were down below 5%. And now every sort of uh, voter intention poll, all of the national polls are pushing us in double figures every time. We are the third largest party now. But uh, in a, in a two-party system, is that enough? You know, we we do need to start winning some of these by-elections and actually getting some seats. And uh, if, you, if you look at our trajectory, that, that should happen. And it should happen quite soon. We're going to have quite possibly Blackpool staff coming up after Rochdale as well. And that should be a really good constituency for us. Yes. Uh, I'm After the break, I want to talk to you about Rochdale. Uh, just in terms of the dynamics, which I'm finding very interesting, Alan, I think I think politics was described for me like malaria. You never really completely get rid of it, <laughs> however hard you try. And I may not be that keen on standing. Well, but you, I'm the kind of person who stays up all night watching by-elections. You've liberal Democrats out of your system, haven't you? Because uh, I think the party is no longer recognisable for when you stood for them. It is unrecognisable. And I, I, I blame Nick Clegg and his cabal for that, because I never regarded Nick Clegg as even understanding what the libertarian narrative was, the narrative that got me involved in politics. And his personal incompetence, which I warned about before the election when he ruined the party his incompetence was writ large when he first reduced the party from 63 seats to 57 and then at the next election reduced it from 57 down to eight 
eight seats. He only held his own because the Tories laid off on him. And then when he became useless, they got rid of him as well. <laughs> it's an extraordinary situation. So um, in a sense, uh, the, the Lib Dems who are now languishing a very low amount in the, po in the polls. And I'm sad about it, by the way, Alan, because I, I really wanted to live in a liberal and democratic society. I'm sad about it because I haven't changed. They have. But it seems to me they've left a vacuum yeah. that reform is filling. And, and well, that, you seem to well, be filling it quite well. The, the, that's what's happened with the Tory party. You know, I, I've got a, a little saying, which is, uh, don't change your politics, change your party. And that's what people are doing. And, and that goes to the Labour Party, which we need to, uh, in, you know, invite people across from the, the, you know, the centre-left of the political spectrum as well. Because our policies do span the centre. So, you know, we, we are proposing to nationalize the water industry and uh, have it owned by the country so it's all the money doesn't go abroad and, and when we can look after our rivers and waterways properly so and that that is a center-left policy so you know i know the press like to uh completely and always refer to us as a right-wing party you know we are basically center-right and center-left and uh, the the red wall seats are which are historically labor but they lent their vote to the tories and we had threat of Corbyn. But now, you know, we've got the threat of uh, Sama. And then in five years' time, we're going to have the threat of someone else. So it's always probably Rayner. So it, it's, we're always going to have that threat of the, you know, the, the, the Marxist left. But uh, so at some point, you do need to actually vote with your heart as well as your mind and draw a line and well, hope... stop the tribal voting. And in, uh, in the third part, new, it's in... something different. In, in the third part of our discussion, I want to cover two things. Uh, the Rochdale by-election, and you've touched on uh, your candidate, Simon Danjuk, there. And uh, also, I want to talk about uh, the Assange situation and your very interesting, I would suggest, unique take on that. Uh, an exclusive you actually shared with us live on air during the week from the Royal Courts of Justice. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Alan Cook, who is broadcasting live from Doncaster Racecourse in the north of England, uh, where the Reform UK party has mustered 1,200 people. I can tell you that's a large conference in UK terms. That's a substantial conference uh, and where they're discussing their plans in the run up to the general election. Lots of calls and co comments coming. I'll try and read some of them. Uh, I'm going to have trouble keeping up with them, uh, <laughs> but that's a good thing. Uh, that's one reason I tell you, go to tntradio.live and follow it there as well uh you're listening to the lembotopic show right here on tnt see you in a few minutes give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg last november you may remember that uh, u.s women's soccer star megan rapino was playing in her last game ever and just a few minutes into the game she went down with a non-contact injury after the game she claimed that her injury was proof that there is no god i'm not a religious person or anything <laughs> And if there was a God, like, this is proof that there isn't. This is f***ed up. Um, so, yeah, it just, it's just f***ed up because... Appearing last week on a podcast called Pablo Torre Finds Out, she mocked Christians who didn't get the joke that she was telling. Somebody needs to check on the Christians. They're not okay. They also <laughs> missed the whole joke, but well, okay. That's the thing is that 
I'm like, you guys missed it? Don't act like, A, you're surprised by me like making this joke about right. what happened or, you know, finding a dig. I'm like, yeah, I want to find a funny like dig. I don't know. Yes. Is it, who's it at? God, myself, Wait, religion, but, the world? But, I don't know. I'm the like, dig was funny. at yourself too because <laughs> yeah. it was. I don't think people appreciated this because everyone was deeply triggered. Um <laughs> religiously and otherwise. I say goodbye and good riddance to the woman who for years mocked our national anthem and now has mocked God. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on TNT. The Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. You're listening to Limbit Opic on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to the Limbit Opic show where we find the facts, kill the spin, and tell it like it is as best we can on the stories making the headlines around the world. We dig deep on this show, and uh, with a bit of luck, you learn things you haven't heard anywhere else. We do the facts, we do the opinions, we don't mix the two up, and your only responsibility is to think for yourself. We're going to go back to uh, Alan Cook uh, in just a minute from the Reform UK conference, which I think is going to be a pretty significant player at the next general election. I'm not telling you to vote for them, I'm telling you a lot of people will vote for them, and that will be a big factor in the final outcome, partly because of the funny political system we've got here, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, uh, right. I want to uh, read a couple of comments before we go back to Alan. Uh, don't worry, Alan, I'll come back to you soon. My comment about a teetotality has caused a lot of <laughs> comments. I'll just have to read them because there's so many of them. Just a bloke says, it'll be great for you, Hidden. I'm teetotal, he says. Uh, Malibite says, that's brilliant. A hidden truth doesn't like it so much. Says, oh, okay. Well, a pot of tea at the pub. Uh, by then, all pubs will be closed and made full digital and surveillance cameras on the cat tables and microphones in the salt pots. Hope that dystopian reality won't happen. Mm. Uh, Miley Bites is making an offer. Uh, I will invite you both to a camp in the woods and make us some forest tea and there'll be no tech there. Mm. The problem with that is if you've read 1984... Uh, Winston and his girlfriend go to the woods and it turns out they are being surveyed. And with modern technology, that is possible. When I was an MP, I discovered because 
the people who ran a particular forest said with some pride that there was a hidden camera in one of the trees because they were trying to catch people who were taking drugs. But actually, they got a lot of people who were doing something rather more intimate. So be careful, people, when you're in car parks in the countryside. Lots of commentary about the nature of presenters and looking through them. I won't go through all of them. It takes us a bit too far away from what we're discussing now. Uh, uh, Blodder says, can you give the time to your guest, please, then? But we hear Siv's eye view every day. Okay, point taken. I think Siv's good, but I'm going to stop talking just a moment. Give the space to Alan. Uh, I do welcome your course corrections because i'm here for you and holly has joined us now great to see you holly um is he talking about the total theater of last week a julian assange extradition in my opinion uh yes holly we have been talking about that we'll be talking about that more in the second hour just a bloke says alan cook reform uk candidate for bromley kent is here and indeed he joins us again alan thanks for continuing with us i want to talk about two things uh one is the strange political system we have and your likely impact on the election and then after that um okay we'll come back to alan in just a minute i'll just have a couple more points they've got themselves completely tied in knots over the ceasefire says Moncton. i'm going to be mentioning that at the beginning of the second hour i was watching this extraordinary theater performance where it begins to look that even the mainstream media now thinks that uh, rather than winning uh, in Ukraine, Ukraine simply trying not to lose. I'll go into that a little bit later because I just want to read the slightly longer one for Hidden, Hidden Truth. It says, Lambert, the debacle in Westminster recently is an utter sham and a disgrace, as well as complete distraction from the reality of what's being done in this country and the modern Western world, namely systematic destruction from the top down to create a dystopian society that enslaves us in a digital trap of impoverishment and slow death. All a globalist dream and our nightmare. What's going to happen to the venal thieves when we stop paying taxes and create our own society? Where will they get the billions to keep killing? by the massive military-industrial-financial complex. Do they realize that the world is turning and it's turning against them? I don't think they do. And I want to talk about that a little bit at the top of the next hour, because it seems to me they're trying to prepare us for a big war. And that is because the military-industrial complex sees an opportunity to get a little bit more money, let's just say, a little bit more uh, power uh, from us, because we have... Well, we're their paymasters, even though it may not feel it like feel like it at times. Uh, keep your calls and comments coming. In the second hour, I do want to explore this situation in uh, Ukraine and what many colleagues here are talking about. Uh, total disgrace of clowns, says Holly, uh, about uh, various things. Uh, I'm not sure if you're saying that you think um, Reform UK are the clowns, uh, but uh, if you clarify that, I shall put that question to Alan as well. Um, one more point, uh, Hidden and Train, uh, uh, Mogden, sorry, says, uh, uh, about Hidden uh, Truth, um, uh, that, uh, that long monologue I gave is spot on and well said. Uh, I'll just cover one more thing here. Please do indulge me for a minute. I do feel that we are in a situation where these smaller parties are becoming more powerful because the people are so disillusioned with the old parties. Traditionally, the old parties were generally the Labour Party, the Conservative Party, the Liberal Democrats occasionally making a showing. Uh, they were quite influential when, when I was a member of Parliament with about 10% of the MPs in British Parliament. 
but now very small, a, a double figure teens number of, of politicians. And then you've got the Scottish National Party who have become quite influential. But the political system is a problem uh, for smaller parties. And that's the question that I've really got, uh, which I'm going to put to Alan in just a moment, whether he feels that things can be made uh, a little bit fairer or whether the current system actually does favour reform because they can bring down the party of government. I think we're with Alan again now. Alan, uh, what a beautiful location you have. The sun is shining upon you and your conference. It is a wonderful day here in Doncaster and uh, it's uh, an amazing uh, race course, this. And uh, yeah, not a cloud in the sky. So uh, it's a good uh, good omen for, uh, for our political future, I believe. I'm not sure everyone can see you at home, but I can see you on my screen and it looks glorious there, a little bit better than it is down in where I am. Uh, but And that's not fair because we pay higher taxes down here. But, but there we go. Um, now, the question, the fundamental questions are two. We haven't got very long, but two questions I've got for you are, uh, how influential do you think Reform UK will be in a first-past-the-post system, a system which isn't proportionate, uh, where you have to eat at each other's votes yeah. and where you can form the government with about 38%? Well... We are the, the, the fastest growing political uh, entity in the country. So we are, we're going in the right direction. So we, uh, when we're polling at 13% and the Tories are at 20. So this is something Anne Whitcomb said the other day. All we need is a three and a half point swing to actually get ahead of the Tories. So that is very possible in uh, the current climate. And it was, we're at the 100 year anniversary of the first ever Labour Party uh, general election win. It was uh, 24th of January, 1924. And uh, most things are cyclic and uh, there's pretty much a, a revolution in English politics every hundred years. So I, you know, it's a great omen again for us, 2024, for us to really make a difference. Uh, even with the uh, two-party first-past-the-post system, we can make a huge difference here. And we have to because uh, the, the, the country is broken. It's in a hell of a state someone we are a uk centric party so we put uh, the country first and its citizens first we that's how we differentiate ourselves from the other parties we are not globalist parties we put the country first and that's what it needs at the moment because uh, we're we're getting lied to we're getting sold down the river and it's uh, ideologies from uh, different cultures different parts of the world are getting installed here against our will and uh you know someone at some point needs to put a stop to it and people are slowly waking up to this uh yeah i i've been told off for for not giving you enough air time so i'm going to ask a couple of very short questions but you can answer at okay. length on one i suspect that reform can bring down the conservatives by taking a lot of its vote and reform probably won't win many seats but it could cause a realignment on the right is that credible well, 100%, you know, if the election was tomorrow, we may not win many seats. But uh, if it's at the end of the year, it, the possibility is there for us. And, and that's what we're aiming for. But we've got a longer term plan than that. We're actually planning for the next general election, which, you know, if we do get a Labour government, that may, you know, I very much doubt they would last five years. So uh, the country is in such a state debt wise and the economy is flatlined and uh, Hunt's, uh, the Chancellor's uh, choices at the moment are, are not choices for growth so we we're just about keeping ourselves 
around about the top of the recession sort of area. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything is pointing that we need a change and, and we are that change. Let's talk. I, I'll, I'll cover this more uh, with the next guest in the next hour. I want, I want to talk about something very interesting you said uh, at the end of our discussion now uh, that you said when we met in the, at the Royal Courts of Justice, you had a theory about Julian Assange and you made a very interesting point that he could be tried from here. Uh, share your theory with our viewers. Well, you know, my background is IT and I've worked in that sector for many decades now. And uh, I'm on a few of the all-party parliamentary groups, which are all IT-based, things like blockchain, artificial intelligence. So I'm, I'm still uh, getting the, the lowdown on the latest technologies, what's possible. And we do actually, in this country, do Zoom links like we're doing now uh, in court cases. So some people, normally to protect uh, witnesses, we, we have uh, online trials. So the technology is there. So what I say is, why not use it? But uh, it, it's obviously the US wants a deterrent, but they also want to punish. And uh, the English law, it's nine, nine tenths of the law is possession. So if you actually have something, odds on you're going to keep it. So what they want to do, they're, they're promising him for maybe six years if he goes there and goes to court and not the 175, which is the maximum possible. However, it comes down to trust. And we've just been talking about trust in the UK politics, which is it's lacking uh, there. And, you know, do do Asajj's legal team trust the US at the moment? I My bet would be that they don't. And uh, I don't know if they've put this option to the states. Uh, I think really think they ought to. And, uh, you know, if people are unwell, you can do things by Zoom. And that they've done that in the US, in English courts as well. So the, the history is there. The technology is there. Uh, no one has, you know, apart from the other day at, outside the Royal Courts of Justice with you, and, well, me and uh, Sonia Poulton discussing it, uh, no one's actually put this forward yet. So I think it's about time that the Asajj's legal team actually put this forward as an option because he, he served five years already. So in, mm. in, in the UK uh, prison. So uh, if, if he, uh, the worst case scenario the Americans are saying at the moment, the uh, the legal team over there is saying they'll have six years. So it'll have one year possibly in an open prison. He's not a threat or a danger to anyone. So it, it's a, for me, it's a win-win. The Americans get their uh, deterrent. They, they get to punish, but uh, it puts this to an end. It puts it to bed. So I think that's not- the, it's the only way forward I can see. I'm not convinced that, uh, in my opinion, is that uh, Julian... Assange should be punished because he's simply telling us what the people we pay to serve us are doing in our name. But uh, that's for another time. We didn't actually get to talk no, much I about agree, the but If you want to bring this to an end, I think you, uh, both sides need to compromise to a certain degree. He's already yeah, been punished. Do... And, uh, you know, six years was the worst case scenario. So time served, uh, have the court case, get it done, finished. And then he's a free man. I think that's what should happen. He uh, may win. I have to... I'm not saying he's guilty, um, you know, have the court case, but have it on Zoom and then uh, see what the outcome is. I can't see any, any well, other way of putting it to bed. Yeah. Well, thank you very much indeed, Alan. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the conference. Uh, we'll be talking more about your uh, conference then. I look forward to seeing you in person in the near future. That's Alan Cook joining us live from Doncaster. Uh, as promised, after 
Really good to see you. After the break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the strange situation in Ukraine and uh, what's happening there and whether Britain and the West is falling on the rocks uh, with its gambit. Uh, all of that together with more chat and comment from you coming up right here on TNT with me, Lembert I'll see you in a few minutes.